talk about this Utah Jazz-Brooklyn Nets game coming up as well as the season. Play-by-play voice of the Utah Jazz, David Locke. David, how are you, my friend? I'm good. It is lonely on the top is the way they say it. I think it's, you know, I always watch. Um, I think I learned this the most when I was with, um, in the WNBA, I was with Ann Don- late Ann Donovan, who's one of the great coaches um, I've ever been around. We, we won a title that year that I'm thinking of. And, um, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on. And But I noticed that, like, she couldn't talk to her assistant coaches. She, if she talked to her assistant coaches about something, they had to act. That's their job, right? So if she's just complaining about something or, you know, goes off, you know, whatever, like just whatever coach, you know, sometimes you want to say something, but don't need anybody to do it. But in that case, the assistant coaches feel that it, if she goes to the front office, she's complaining about the players that she got, or, you know, she's complaining about something, then she's complaining to them, mm-hmm. you know, or, you know, even if you're just like expressing an opinion or a feeling or an emotion. And then, and the one that was most interesting to me that year was that Ann lost her mom, who was her closest compatriot. Um, and she didn't want to show weakness to either of those groups. So I was very fortunate, and we were very close, um, and I miss her a lot, but um, I was the one. Because as the play-by-play announcer in that small traveling group of a WNBA you were able to have the, I was, she could talk to me mm. about her mom and how broken she was and how empty she was and all these things, but she was that showing that weakness didn't have an impact. She didn't want to show it to the front office because, well, then they wonder if she can do her job well enough. Right. Mm-hmm. And she didn't want to show it to the staff because then they're wondering if she's weak and you know, it's like, and then it's the same thing on like uh, other conversations. It's just a really lonely position when you get, as a head coach and get to the top one of those things, right? Like Kalani can't just go wander over. I think you're, I'm assuming you're talking about Kalani. Yeah. Um, yeah. Kalani can't go walk over to Homo's office and just be like, Oh my gosh, can you believe this and that? Da, da, da. Like the way we all do to each other, like all the time and just hold a conversation. Like he can't do that. Cause he's complaining. Like that's his boss. Yep. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And, and talking to his assistant staff and I do know he's got some good friends, but you're right. They would look at it like, oh, I, I've got to take care of this if you know if right. this is happening for sure. Like if she if he goes into Aaron last as a wide receiver coach last year and it's like, oh my gosh, Zach Wilson, he's great, but this media crush about Zach is ridiculous, and oh my god, if he throws another ball into double coverage, and well, like Aaron's gonna do something. Like, oh, oh, he's not all in on that. What do I do? Like, right? Like, I mean, <laughs> like, how do I react? Like, well, no, that's just actually like a natural thing. Like, you got to clear from your senses every now and then and just say it so that it's not you know so that you don't like you can move on like and frankly i think you know a lot of cases in our lives we all say something we kind of sort of believe right like Mm -hmm. and so head coaches it's just very lonely in that position i've got to imagine that the nba head coaching position has got to be a nightmare too in that regard and i I get it we're talking about men that are making millions and that's that's fine doesn't it doesn't does not it doesn't. Money does the does not buy you comfort, or no? It's, it's what's the right word? Happiness. I'm for? It doesn't. It no, doesn't. I mean, it does, certainly doesn't buy you happiness. It, I'm it, it, about, it can buy you comfort, but true joy, yeah. no. But it also it actually eliminates, in some ways, camaraderie. Like, like there's a. I mean, it's a funny thing. Like, I mean, right? Cry me a river. I got it. Um, but at the same time, like, like. The paycheck is great and wonderful and does amazing things for those people. It doesn't eliminate what we're talking about. In fact, it might create it.
David Locke, play-by-play voice of the Utah Jazz, hanging out with us. So, David, how can you bottle up what we saw the other night against the Spurs and dispense of it as needed? So, I mean, I think some of this we have to understand that as the three becomes more prevalent, this is just truly a make-or-miss league. We're going to make more than most people. We're really good. We can really shoot it. And then we're really defensively good or have the personnel, the key, we have Rudy, um, to be elite defensively. And then I think we have a head coach who's really, really bright about this concept. And so we really believe in defensive shot distribution, which is a weird kind of concept that you haven't heard a lot about in Moneyball, but I think and have thought for about the last two years that this is actually the next stage of, that's most important for kind of money ball of the NBA is defensive shot distribution. And so we have an edge in all these areas, but it is a make or miss league. And so there are going to be nights when Boyan goes seven for six for seven and we shoot 48% from three and we get enough of them off. We're never losing. And there's going to be nights where we get them off and we, don't make his way. There's also, you know, you're also going to lose on the two too, right? Like it's just, there's a distribution factor that's taking place here. That means that, you know, I just think there's a variance. And I, I actually think the variance is that the league is such a good shooting league, right? So it used to be that one or two guys were shooting your threes. Now there's six or seven guys shooting your threes. And so there's just a larger variance than there used to be. Watching Boyan Bogdanovich the other night against San Antonio, David, it was like, watching a, a duck just step into water and just that, you know, nice, easy float. And it just, it felt natural. His shots looked pure. They looked, you know, well-planned, well-timed, and just a nice, smooth flow. What was happening that allowed Boyan just to have that type of flow on the court? So I don't know because this is where the lack of time with them, you know, you just don't get that side-off conversation that you might usually get right now about this, but he made a comment the other day I thought was really interesting. He talked about how he's wearing that brace. So backstory on this is Boyan hates anything touching his body. Um, I think it took him a long time to be willing to tape his ankles. I don't even know if he still does. Um, but I know he doesn't like, if you notice, he's the one guy who never doesn't ever wear a sleeve, never wears a legging. And he in practice all of last year, because that injury, Sally knew the injury was so early in the year, he wore a brace every day in practice, but he wouldn't wear it during games because he doesn't like things touching his body. He doesn't like the feel. He, he, so something was clearly bothering him enough that he did that. So that's the first part that I think is really relevant. The second part of this is that he, he said it hurt a little bit on his, as he, that the new brace prevents him from pulling back all the way. And so he doesn't like it. I think that's what he said. Or or was on the follow through. I couldn't can't quite. He kind of said it in two different ways, so I'm not sure what he meant. Again, if we had the access, we'd be able to figure that out. But what it tells me is that there was some point in the shot where he was feeling some pain, and I think that's why he's missing around the rim. Really, his shooting numbers are 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 off because of the rim shot right now. He's missing at the rim, and I wonder if there's some pain point in there so that that depth touch you need right around the rim is what's causing him problems. I don't know that. I'm just guessing. Well, whatever we saw in, in his movement and the way he felt the other night against San Antonio, was it was awesome. I mean, that was – what's incredible, David, when this Jazz team clicks 
And when, when they work on the cylinders that you know that they have the capabilities to work on, they score so quickly and so fluid that it, give, it truly gives you hope that this team is more than just a first or even a second-round exit. When they're hitting, it really feels like this is a smooth, consistent, very strong team. There's something about that, that fluid motion when it happens it just isn't, it hasn't happened enough for me to feel like they can impose it when they need to impose it. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of sitting in, um, I'm getting splinters on my butt on this team right now. I just am not sure. Like, yeah. I, I just don't know. I mean, right now, I feel like the other team's defensive physicality is dictating whether who we are right now. Maybe that's the truth. Like, in the rest of this road trip, we don't play a lot of teams that are particularly, you know, up into your body. Um, out and extended defense the way that Phoenix is. Um, Milwaukee really holds true to the paint to prevent shots at the rim, and Detroit, I think, does too, though they have some athletes, so we need to see what they do. Um, I don't think Brooklyn's played any defense yet, so um, no, that's not true. They're actually one of the best shot percentage defenses in the league. They played Atlanta back-to-back games, so it didn't feel like they played defense, and then they forgot to play against Washington. Um so I'm not as kind of certain on you what you're saying, but what I did notice the other night I thought was interesting is the first quarter, Donovan has eight, Ingles has eight, I think. And the second quarter, Boyan has 10 and Clarkson has 10, something like this. And Mike Conley had 33 the night before, right? So in the span of like, you know, five quarters, you know, a game and, and a half, you've been carried at dip, by different guys at different points in time. And to have five different guys and kind of carry you in that stretch is pretty. That's pretty. That's pretty cool. So that kind of leads into the question, and I, I don't even know if there's an answer to this. I was going to have you finish this. As so and so goes, so goes the Jazz. Whose name? Rudy. Okay. I mean, Rudy. I mean, he's so great. He's so great. It just blows my mind every night. Did you see a note I tweeted last night about Kyrie Irving's shooting percentage in the paint non-restricted area when Rudy Gobert's on the floor? No, I didn't catch that. It's like like 32% in his career. Wow. Rudy's on the floor in the paint non-restricted. He's he's making 80% of them so far this year. I don't know. Tonight. I don't, we, have I don't... Two best, we have the two best pick and rolls in the NBA tonight. Kyrie Irving, Jared Allen. And what's our best pick and roll? Uh, Mike Conley and Rudy Gobert. Absolutely. They're killing it. They are magic right now. Um, I don't know how many people, David, have maybe paid close enough attention away from the ball to watch Rudy Gobert's effect in the paint, away from ball, in help defense. And and the influence he has, the, the way he forces a, a, a shooter to recollect the ball and maybe distribute to the outside, or a way he forces a ball creator or a shot creator to take the ball back, uh, take the ball back out of the paint. Or, uh, I would encourage people to to understand the full effect of Rudy Gobert. Just watch him defensively on help defense away from the ball. The way he rotates and the way he forces shot makers and playmakers to rethink and readdress the situation because it happens every game and it happens. Multiple times in every game. It happens almost every play. Almost almost every play, there's some type of decision that's forced by Rudy Gobert. And you've never seen a guy with that length be able to trail and close like Rudy does. 
He's just that great. Um, I would say it a little differently because this is how Alex Jensen taught it to me. We, um, in the old days when we had one bus instead of the four that they now have with a reduced team, with a reduced travel, um, we had one bus and I used to sit next to one of our coaches usually on the ride. We were in New York and we were going to a shoot around and it takes a long time. And I was sitting next to Alex and he was watching film. And so, of course, you can guess what I was like. Like, hey, let me see. What's going on? Hey, what are you looking at? What's going on? Hey. Alex is probably like, shut up, lock. Um, but Alex was nice to me because I covered him in college. And so he was like, you want to see something? And I was like, yeah, that's why I've been bothering you for the last 30 minutes. And he's like, watch this play by Rudy. And this was like when Ennis Cantor is still on the roster. So this is before Rudy's like dominant. And it was a play in which Rudy made three actions on one play. So like he got out on a pick, he rotated back to alter a shot. He flipped back around and got the rebound. Okay. And Alex is like, guys don't, can't do that. And I was like, what do you mean? He goes, big guys cannot do multiple actions hmm. in a play. He's going to be really special. And he then showed me a clip of Ennis. And Ennis was doing the first thing perfectly. Like he came out on the pick and roll and guarded it really, really well. But there was no chance that Ennis was going to be able to make the body change or understand what's happening at a level to get to the next, to the shot, the way Rudy did. Like Ennis actually could do, if you coached Ennis, you were like, okay, pick and roll, you got to do this, right? But then this is probably similar to you as like an offensive lineman or a defensive lineman. When you think about like, okay, your first job is this, but you actually have then this means this job and this means this job. And like, it's really complicated and there aren't, and I would guess like Chase Thomas is probably great at this, right? He probably makes multiple reads in really fast periods of time and then impacts a play three different ways on a football play too. Mm -hmm. But that's what Rudy's able to do that other bigs aren't able to do, which is make multiple actions inside of one play. Well, David, good luck on the call tonight. Enjoy it. Um, I wish that Kevin Durant was on the court. I just, I'd love to see fully healthy, fully functioning rosters and teams, but this should be a good one tonight. Don't you think? A lot of Kyrie. They've been just awful. And Kyrie and Durant have been matching minutes all year together. They've been just awful when Kyrie and Durant are off the floor. Yeah. Well, we'll see how it goes tonight. Enjoy the call, David. And we'll, we'll see you back here. What, in like a month and a half. Um, well, I'm here. So, no, I'm talking about in the studio. Oh, no, I don't. I'll be in the studio actually on Friday, but because monster trucks are taking the arena. Oh, is that what's happening? Yeah. I know Lloyd's excited. He's taking his boys. Oh, yeah. Pretty, pretty, pretty excited for that. Have have you ever, have you ever gone? Once for 30 minutes. (laughs) You wrecked your drums or what? But I'm going this year. Uh, I know why. Why is that? Never mind. I'm going to get in trouble with that comment. I'm going to bite. I'm going to chew on that. I'm going to swallow that comment today. I'll text you. I go every year. Okay. I love it, man. Then I'm making fun of you. <laughs> All right, David. Thank you. Okay. All right, brother. See ya. Bye. Bye. David Locke, play-by-play voice of the Utah Jazz.